Does everything have a bright side to it? Of course. It doesn't always outweigh the negatives, but everything has a bright side to it. This makes happiness a choice. And here we say that the discipline of being happy is the ultimate discipline. With that said, welcome to the Ultimate Discipline Podcast, where we meet with people who are practitioners of this exact discipline, and we hear their cool stories of cultivating happiness through challenges in their life. I am your host, Sean Greenspan. Let's get to it. Hey, and welcome to the Happiness Discipline Podcast. I am so excited. This episode is for the ladies. I have Steph in in the room here. Um, Actually, I started working with Steph, and um, she is a coach helping women build muscle the right way. Um, We'll dive into that. Um, Something else that I love about Steph is, as you guys know, this podcast is really about um, the happiness discipline, right? Which is how we can look at every situation in life as not necessarily a positive, but focus on the bright side of it. And we interview people that have built discipline in different areas and have really shown that and have cha- and have been able to show, like extrapolate that skill into other areas of their life. And Steph, in the you know 10 calls that we've had, I feel like e- even some of the, the slower ones where we're trying to get logged into all your accounts or anything, you have been so calm and composed about everything. I can see that everything you're doing in the gym is, you know, paying off, not just, you know, in, in your health, in your physique, things like that, but in the way that you carry yourself. So something I really admire about you and one of the reasons I was really excited to invite you on the podcast. So I wanted to start by just thanking you for coming on and give you a chance to tell, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. And anytime I can sit down and talk about strength and muscle and, you know, how that stuff translates over into a more expansive and exciting life, I mean, I'm I'm down, sign me up. So I'm a sports nutritionist and strength coach, and I primarily work with women over 40 to help them look, feel, and be strong. And this is actually my second career. So I've been doing this for the last 10 years. But prior to that, I was a high school science teacher for 12 years. So I really bring that educational lens into what I do. I feel like education is a key part of the process in helping people to really follow through with long-term plans in terms of training and how they're going to fuel themselves to get there. And I have a podcast, have lots of training programs and coaching programs, and I'm just in there every day. And it's honestly like if there was anything that was kind of made for me in this world to do, this is this is it. <laughs> <laughs> I I am so uh, happy for you. I admire that about you. That like you know that that's the dream, right? You know, um, Noval Rothkant's one of my my mentors through uh, through his books and and podcasts, and you know he always says like find something that doesn't feel like work to you. And that's the ultimate competitive advantage. Nobody can outwork you because it doesn't feel like work to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that that's super cool. I didn't know you were a science teacher. I yeah. also, <laughs> I also think that education is the way, right? Because I was, I was actually reading books about like human, like human's purpose. And this one guy that I was kind of um, studying, Dr. Zach Bush was talking about, it's to use our senses to learn and then to, share and communicate that with people. And and I think you're right. Like once you teach people, they then want to do it themselves and learn. So I do think education is a really great place to start when training um, or trying to get behavior change out of people. Is that that sounds like that's what you've seen as well? Yeah. And I think there's also a double-edged sword to that. So on the on the good side, I'll say, you know, when you have quality education, you understand what you're doing and why. That is that is the biggest buy-in for adult learners. We have to understand the why. We have to be bought into the like, well, why does this matter? Why is this important? Why are you having me do this exercise? Like, I don't understand. And so I think also in the space of fitness around women's fitness in particular, and in particular women's fitness over 40, there are just so many people who want to act like all we care about is fixing those like pesky problem areas. And it's like the way that we are, the way we are fitness is presented to us is very different from how it's presented to presented to other populations, I guess we'll say that much. So I always feel like, look, we're smart. (laughs) We're we're resourceful. We can understand why you don't have to talk down to us. Right. So there's that. That's the good part is like quality education. Understanding the purpose is really empowering for people. 
because they're like, yep. oh, now I get it. Like this is part of the bigger plan. On the flip side, we are in such an information-driven world, as you know from you know being in this industry, and that can be a little bit of like that DIY trap of you know I'm just going to keep consuming information. I think in James Clear's book, he calls it motion versus action. <sighs> Right. So we can stay in motion by continuing to consume and consume and consume content or information, information, information. And that's certainly important to a degree. But then what do you do to actually put that into practice? How do you take action? How does that move you forward? How does that help you with the transformation that you're after? That is very, very important. So we can keep continuing to consume information all day long. Like it's at our fingertips. Never in, never in the history of humanity has information gathering been so easy. That doesn't necessarily translate into to better results, that transformation that you want, unless you take action to, you know, get a training plan, hire a coach, like, or at least help yourself with that next, next action step. So it's a good thing. And it has some drawbacks. And when we kind of understand that, I think it's easier to like go down the path of, okay, like I'm ready to take that next step, whatever that next step might be. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that as an educator to, to warn people about overeducation because I am a ready fire aim type of person. <laughs> That's my style. I'm like, look, like, like go, like we got to act. And I'm reading, I'm reading this book about um, kind of about life and business, I'd say. And he says, he's like, it's very simple. There's, there's two things to do to achieve any goal, learn, do, and then you learn and then you do. He's like, without learning, you're just going to go crazy. But without, you know, without doing like nothing happened. Um, I think you're right. Uh, we're, we're in this age, we're in an age of abundance. Like you can just listen to good podcasts like this one (laughs) just all day long and feel like you're building momentum, but you're not, you know, but at the same time, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to be wary of because there is, of course, tons of junk information, right, um, out there. And yeah, it's, I think the role of an educator actually has, has broadened and become more important than it ever was now. Because everyone is somewhat acting like an educator. Yeah, I think so. And there's definitely, you know, when I started on Instagram, I'll give you just a quick quick example. There was no such thing as the word influencer. You know, this is like 2011, 2010. We're out up there with our filters. We thought we were so cool, you know, on on Instagram. And nowadays, you know, people will say things like, oh, they're an influencer. They're an influencer. Regardless of how you, if you like that label or not, even when you're out there putting out information, you can still influence someone in a really positive way, or you can give them the wrong information knowingly or unknowingly and, and turn them, you know, it can really affect people's lives. It can affect their mindset. It can affect how they decide to take action or not on something. And now, you know, there's obviously both parties involved here, right? Like, no one can make you do anything to to a degree. But at the same time, like I think there is a responsibility if you are yeah. out there putting out content is like to at least make sure it's accurate. And that's why, you know, what I do is is really evidence-based and grounded in the science because even though that's continuing to evolve over time, we're like, this is what we know right now. This is like the best of what we have to make those decisions from. Yeah. I, 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 I love the evidence based. Right. And I love that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just enjoy it. Cause like what you said, right. So I actually had someone on the podcast a long time ago that I don't agree or disagree with. He said, I was uneducated about it. Right. And he was talking about um, that. You shouldn't wear sunscreen. You shouldn't wear sunglasses. Um, and he went to a whole rant about that. And I actually bumped into someone later that was like, Hey, Sean, like I stopped wearing sunglasses and sunscreen. I was like, like, again, like, I, I didn't even want to push that message. I also didn't know, I don't definitely wouldn't consider myself an influencer. But you're right, like, people that, that listen are, are influenced, right? It's, it's something that uh, people try to take advantage of. It's called social currency, right? It's that people want to share, you know, what they learn, right? Kind of going back to what I was saying about, like, Dr. Zach Bush and all. So I, I find that really, I find that really interesting. L- let me ask you about your, your uh, fitness practice your your own not like what you're teaching um, mm-hmm. when did that really start to take hold of you know who you are mm. in a in a positive way or a negative way <laughs> oh. <laughs> let's, let's let's go chronological all right so i started in sports when i was a kid I was about 7 started playing youth soccer and that was really my start in athletics and 
we got to a point, I think I was in sixth grade. I recently found the pictures of me in like my dance recital costumes because I was also doing dance at the same time. And it was around that age. I think it was when I was in maybe sixth grade that my mom came to my sister and I and said, okay, you, you need to make a decision. Are you going to dance or are you going to play soccer? And I said soccer and my sister said dance. And I'm sure my mom was like yanking her hair out at that point because she probably wanted us to say the same to be in agreement. And my sister and I are very different people. Like there was no way we were going to agree on that. So I stayed in soccer and that really just, you know, I, I was, I played sports all through high school and did martial arts. And then I got actually cut from the JV soccer team in my sophomore year and was really upset about that. So I found other things to do. I joined the track team. Like I said, did some Taekwondo in my hometown. And after I graduated and went to college, got involved in mountain biking and did that for almost 10 years. So I was in cycling for a long time, started doing triathlons and really doing a lot of distance uh, events, a lot of long endurance events with cycling and triathlons and stuff like that. You know, and kind of interwoven in this story is that I was always really self-conscious of my body as a kid, you know, especially I was teased by uh, a family member for my weight. And, you know, it really planted that seed pretty early on that there was just like something wrong with my body. And so at some point when I was mountain biking and and really getting into running half marathons and things like that, it was interesting because I was like, all right, well, now I just have to get as thin as I can because these sports that, you know, the predominant narrative at that time and still to some degree is like get as skinny and small as you can. And that way you'll be faster when you ride up hills. You know, it's all about power to weight ratio. And that's the world that I lived in. And I was like, cool, so I can keep pushing my, you know, pu- keep pushing my uh, training up and, you know, not really doing anything to correctly fuel my body. And it was all in the service of, of course, the sport, but it was a really convenient vehicle for trying to be as thin as possible. Yeah. And, and I, I did that for a really long time. And uh, granted, again, I didn't know what I know now about sports nutrition and performance. And there's definitely a shift in the narrative in a lot of different sports where it's like we have to avoid things like relative energy deficiency in sport. It's not just female athlete triad anymore. It's so much bigger than that. And this is how it's impacting everything outside of even your performance, like your health and well-being, mental and physical health and well-being are being affected by or could be affected by these things, but you're not eating enough to to match your energy output. So that was not that wasn't a thing. We didn't even have the the term red S until 2014. So that's less than a decade ago at this point. What so term? it's so it's relative energy deficiency in sport, which is where we're chronically under eating compared to our activity level. So that's a you know things are evolving at the same time. But I didn't have I didn't have a term for that to at that point, describe what I was experiencing. All I know is I burned out in, in 2010, 2011, and I was losing my muscle mass. I was exhausted all the time. You know, I had a lot of challenges with mood, like crazy mood swings. I mean, this is just like really uncharacteristic for me and chronic injuries, things like that popping up. And I just was like, I am, I'm sick of racing. Like I'm sick of competing. I just don't want to do this anymore. And we were talking about this, you know, earlier is like, sometimes you just can't predict, you can only see the, the, the good part in that looking back. Right. And that was that I stopped racing endurance sports and I went into a CrossFit gym and learned how to lift weights, like for the first time in my life, like really learned how to lift weights. And that changed the trajectory of my whole life. It made me a healthier person, a stronger person, um, a more grounded person mentally. And it gave me this renewed sense of purpose that like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to help other women to Hmm. also fuel themselves and like do cool stuff athletically and reach their potential in this way. And yeah, so without that negative experience, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd be here right now talking to you about this, but finding weights really changed my whole life in that way. So I lifted weights. I competed in CrossFit. I started Olympic weightlifting and did that for a while. And now I do BJJ, I ruck, I run a little bit, <laughs> but nothing like I used to do. I actually started running again this year and have found a, a new enjoyment in it that I didn't have before. And I, I lift and I kind of do a little bit of everything. You know, I don't compete in anything at the moment, but that's a, that, that's a purposeful choice on my part because I know that I am the kind of person that will put a lot of pressure on myself to compete. So I'm, I'm taking, I've taken a step back from competing in the last like five years to just be and to enjoy athletics for all the great things that it brings to my life. So that's a little bit about my story. Hmm. 
the highs and the lows. But yeah, it's it's something I think is, I don't know if I'm glad that it happened, but there was something really good that came out of it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I, Absolutely. I, I, I appreciate you opening up. You know, um, I think there's a lot of women out there and men that can learn and feel heard from that story. So thank mm. you. Yeah. I also appreciate you trying to tie it back to the happiness discipline. <laughs> I heard that little plug. Yeah. And you know, I I certainly uh, I certainly can can like understand that because I've I'm trying I'm trying to reflect on this. I've never really thought about this and I don't think um I've had a, a major issue with it, but I've actually talked to my girlfriend about this to like so I'm, I would say bigger dude, 210 pounds, 215 pounds, strength train six or seven days a week. And I do intense cardio four to six days a week, but I'm very active. Like the only things I like to do are just hike, play basketball, golf, rock climb. Like that's just, that's just what captures my energy, my, you know, attention. So I eat a ton and I eat very clean it, but I mean, I mean, I eat like 6,500 calories a day, like a ton. <laughs> And, I was gonna say you would have to, right? Yeah, and but but what happens is, um, I've had a few times in my life where like I've felt a little out of control with my eating, like like I wasn't the one choosing to eat, like it was a little habitual, a little tied to like emotions, kind of just like a little distract, like when you're distracted, go eat anything like that. And then I've found myself very very few times, but I have noticed sometimes where maybe days I wasn't as active, crushing food and then feeling like a need, like, oh my God, like I should exercise now. And I so I, I kind of I, I I you know, I understand a little bit, you know, kind of what you were talking about where it's like the exercise like a nice convenient under underlining story to like the the physique that you're you know you're looking for yeah and you know <clears throat> I do appreciate you you tying it back to the the happiness discipline because you know again when you look back at I mean what you've been able to do over the last twelve years since since they started Instagram and you you uh you've launched you know ch- changed your career like that definitely there's no chance that would have happened without you hitting that point. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now imagine if in that moment you hit that point, the worst you were feeling, I don't know if there's a moment or maybe a period. Imagine like, if like <laughs> you got a sign, whatever, whether it's spiritual or someone literally guaranteed it to you that said like, Hey, this is actually the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. It's a mm-hmm. fact. You would, you would feel viscerally different. Like your body would feel great. Like, you know, you'd be smiling. And I almost think it's an arrogance that people have to say like, oh, I'm determining this is bad because I understand how the future plays out. It's like, you know, it might be different than you plan, which is can be scary because we're all egomaniacs and want to control everything, but difference, not bad, you know, and that's something that, um, that's something that I try to practice. And it's funny. So now I'm going to go on a little tangent, but about like the way that I practice this is in the gym because, Hey, I, I, I think, you know, the gym or exercise is amazing for you. Um, I think, you know, movements, medicine, I'm, I'm all about it. But when I go to the gym, I go every day with the attitude that I'm going to train my discipline. So I'm going to get to a point where I'm down and out, you know, today it was weighted pull-ups, you know, I mean, it was weighted pull-ups to failure and it was, it was until like, I just couldn't get another rep and then go. And like, I, like, I also, I also like, like, I want to be like struggling as much as I can and trying to go. Cause like when you're feeling all that pain, you know, you need to stay optimistic and positive that you might be able to get that extra rep, right? That's like, to me, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So it's training your decision-making like in the future. And I don't know if everyone thinks about it. I don't know if everyone's put it to words, but I think everyone that's like really loves the gym, it's become part of their life or any sort of fitness. I think that's like the real magic in it. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a really, it's a really powerful way to <laughs> experience adversity in a relatively controlled setting. You know, like <laughs> yeah. a lot Good of us, 
you know, we, we live pretty like physically comfortable lives. Like we're not going out and foraging for all our food. Like, you know, that's what I'm trying to say, right? We have a lot of privileges in the modern world. Many of us do. And um, yeah, I think Michael Easter writes about this really well, but it's like, how do we then build that resilience? How do we then like build that sense of like, I can overcome, I can do hard things. And it's not just always physically. Sometimes it's the mental aspect of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you your brain's going to be, <laughs> your brain loves to trick you and you're like, you just have no more left in you. And then like you, yet you persevere. And so I think that that's a really powerful way to make that happen on a fairly regular daily basis, you know, in small, relatively punctuated doses that we're able to recover from, you know, granted, we're giving ourselves enough recovery and, and you know, we're fueling our bodies well. Yeah, like if we, we put that together, that becomes a really powerful way to to train that part of kind of our human experience, our mind that um, we may we may not find as easy as to come about in or to come across in in our day-to-day lives otherwise. And you know, certainly we don't want to experience like these incredibly stressful, tragic things. I mean, that's just a level of stress that hopefully we're not experiencing on a regular basis. But it's like, you know, how do we inoculate ourselves to that kind of stress in like little doses, right? Yeah. That's that idea that idea of like hormetic stress. And I think that that's a really powerful way to put it because the gym can be relatively, I mean, I, I love being in the gym gym and like just being there for the routine of it all. And, and to me, that's one of the benefits of a a great strength plan is like, you're not necessarily reinventing the wheel every time. Like there's some amount of rhythmicity and, and repetitiveness to it. And I think that that is a great part of the process. It does allow you to, to focus inward a little bit more or focus on how you're feeling in your body as you're going through those motions. BJJ is very similar. You know, somebody's (laughs) on top of you and you're like, I got to be in a place where I can just focus on, you know, I've got to calm down. I've got to be able to think. I've got to be able to plan my next move. And so it does become very much the intersection of body and mind. And yeah, moving your body and being able to experience all of those mental benefits that come from movement and exercise is so underrated, mm-hmm. so underrated in our culture, um, is that movement is so great for, for your health in so many ways. It's not just about, yeah, like how you, how you end up looking can be a nice side benefit, but like a lot of the true unsung benefits to that go very deep. Yeah. Yeah. I, with the way you kicked it off saying that like the gym's like a controlled dose of stress, I, it, you're, that is like such a good way to put at least what I'm getting after in the gym or on any of my runs. You know, Dave Goggins always says, he says a shit storm's coming, you better be prepared. <laughs> and I think what he's saying is it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have, whatever. Someone in your family at some point is going to get sick. Something's going to happen to your business, your whatever the heck, your house is going to flood. Something happens to everyone once in a while. And, you know, really, it's you just need to be able to be prepared for it. You know, I, I, I remember something that I was, it was like the most proud I was in recent times. It was two years ago. I lost my biggest client, which at the time it was a huge client and they were like 65% of my revenue, like a huge client. And I've learned not to expose myself like that anymore, (laughs) but they were about 90% of my time, right? And 98% of my problems. So you can already see leaving them would be a great win for me. Um, assuming that I have my baseline needs met financially. And when they, when, the, when we decided to like part ways, it was actually pretty sudden. And I remember like right when they did it, I was like, cool. Like I have all this time. What do I do now? And like, I remember telling my dad, my dad was like extremely worked up and he was like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, nah, dude, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm sure with like, you know, adding 30 hours back to my week, I can replace that and more, you know? So it was almost like it was like a blessing. And that was like the first time that is just cemented in my brain of like, uh, you know, like that was when like that lesson kind of crystallized for me. Mm. Another one, this guy, T. Harbecker, who actually lives in San Diego, he in one of his books, he he says, your, you know, your brain's job is to keep you safe. So when it tells you, oh, don't do that other rep. Oh, don't push this hard. It's just trying to keep you safe. Right. And he said, that's when you turn into manual mode. And he goes, <laughs> I have four, four words for my brain. Thank you for sharing. 
take over. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It, it is funny. He goes, he goes, we need to treat our brains like a worried mother and just mm. say, thank you for sharing and then do what we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the psychology and the mindset play so heavily into that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about that, I kind of want to hit an intersection of, of kind of like mindset with, with like the training that you're doing um, or your, the coaching that you're doing. I have found, you know, this is kind of from my point of view that lifting weights, especially heavy weights can be both daunting and confusing for women. I want to talk about the daunting piece first. Daunting, mm. like I'm scared to step in a gym. Daunting, like I, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah. I, I, I would love to hear like what your best advice would be. I'm sure you've got this question before, but what's your <laughs> yes. like advice would be for someone that, that, you know, maybe knows they need to start lifting weights, but is definitely scared to. Yeah. I love this question because it is so common. And, you know, I, I think about a conversation I had with Kelly and Juliet not too long ago, we were talking about, you know, this idea that we have like our, we have like our most like, yes, I'm down for anything kind of people in our community, but we also have this amazing opportunity to reach other people who are not, you know, doing mobility work or not lifting weights. And so I, I always try to stay mindful of those people who are maybe coming in and they're curious and they're like, but I don't know where to go from here. Recently, I had an experience where for the first time in probably about 15 years, I walked into a 24-hour fitness. We were doing construction in our jiu-jitsu academy and the weight area was completely closed off. So I had to go to a big gym and I had not been to a gym like this since probably 2005 ish, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more. And I'll tell you what I it's, it's also the biggest <laughs> 24 hour fitness in San Diego, but I walked in and I was like, damn, I'm like, this place is big. It's, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> I mean, I, it definitely, I, and I'm, I've been lifting weights since 2010, right? It's been 13 years that I've been very familiar with and comfortable with weights. No problem lifting anywhere I go, but it was a very overwhelming environment to be in. And I, it was good for me to have that reminder because I've been lucky enough to lift generally in, you know, CrossFit gyms, smaller classes, relatively speaking. And now I, I lift at the Jiu-Jitsu Academy, which is usually just like me and maybe one or two other people. It's like, it's great. You know, yeah, it's, I, it's I small and intimate, understand. right? So I had that experience and I was like, oh, right. This is what it's like to walk into a place you're completely unfamiliar with. It's packed with people. You have no idea what this equipment is. And it really put Can't me back in that. the equipment. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where's, where's the platforms? You know, they're like way in the back. And I was like looking yeah. for a reverse hyper or something like that. I was like, I guess they don't have one. I'm walking around the floor just looking for stuff. So I think my best advice for people when they're starting to lift is to find a trainer, whether it's a personal trainer or a coach, even at a, a, a trainer at a, it could be a big box gym, but you go in and you work with that person one-on-one -on -one for as long as you can, you know, realistically afford to do so. Even if that's a month, two months, set some money aside, you know, plan for it because you're going to be able to go in and fingers crossed, you know, ask some questions and get paired up with somebody who can really walk you through the basics. So if you do plan to lift in like a big box gym, knowing where the equipment is and what it's for, right? So that gives you the confidence being able to go into that freeway area. If you're not used to going, you know, you're like intimidated to go over there. So you go over with the, with the coach or the trainer to me, that's, you know, or get, ask your friends, you know, crowdsource who, who in my friend group on Facebook, like has a trainer that they like somebody that lives in your area. There could be a personal trainer that trains people in the park. It could be, you know, somebody that works Excellent. out of a, a small local strength and conditioning facility. Start asking around because if you can get in there and work with somebody in person, they're going to be able to spot what's going on with you and like, you know, where, what your areas of strength, quite literally your areas that need to be brought up, how to like assess you and see what you really need, watch your movement patterns, help you get better at those movement patterns, help you work the equipment because we forget things like, oh, that's right. Not everybody coming into the gym knows how to fail a, fail a back squat pr properly. <laughs> it's something we all learn. Almost no one does. Right. It's something we all learned back in the day, most of us, but we forget that stuff. How do you put, how do you take plates on and off a barbell, you know, without struggling with them? Like there's still like super, what direction did the clips go? You know, like stuff yeah, like yeah. that that can really make people confused or, or just get frustrated. So I think if you can work with somebody, even if it's for a short period of time, that will give you a really great on-ramp to then 
if you are a little bit more do-it-yourself inclined or you'd rather do stuff at home, then you can go, the sky is the limit. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe then you can, if you really want to work out at home, but you still want to have that like personal trainer touch, find someone that does online Zoom sessions. They are out there. There are a lot of people doing that stuff now, especially since COVID. You know, maybe you build out a garage gym. Like you really will have a lot of options, but I feel like getting over that initial, like say three months if you can get over that hump, feel more comfortable because it, it's going to feel weird at first. Everything is going to be new. So you, having somebody to go to, also you're like, I made that appointment with Sean next Wednesday. I got to get in there. You know, you know, you're making that appointment outside yourself. There's some accountability there as well. And you'll be less likely to just, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll just do it next week. I'll just do it next So yeah. that's my best, best, best advice for anyone who's starting and is just like, don't know, don't know a sumo squat from a sumo deadlift, you know, like get some help. It's okay to not know. It's, I will guarantee you if someone here is new to strength training, the first time they went into the gym, it was like, what am I doing here? I remember going to CrossFit for the first time and I was like, what is half this stuff? I have no idea. I've never done a toes to bar. Like, I don't know. I remember kicking up against the wall to do a, just a handstand hold. And I was like, I was like scared, scared to like kick up against the wall, you know? So there's going to be things that you don't know what they are. You're intimidated. Like you need ideas and suggestions for adapting it to your level, those sorts of things. So get in there and work with somebody if you can. And I think that that's going to give you the best long-term results. Mm, love that you said long-term results because I know you're not a short-term result person. No. I, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> if I was to add even anything on to that, it would, just, it would just be to basically give yourself no excuse, no outs. Like, you know, Steph just gave 20, 30 different options. Like there is something for anybody. I have a friend that does not have money, does not really know people in his area. He called me up. He said, dude, do you think you could FaceTime me and show me like a little workout? Like everyone knows somebody, you know, someone that knows someone. And I'll tell you from, I will put myself and you in this category. People that love it, they love fitness. They love helping people. They love it. Like I, like, it's so funny. A lot of my friends make fun of me because I vigilantly guard my time right? Like I just, I'm trying to run a business, trying to do a podcast, trying to train, trying to spend time with my girlfriend, be there for my parents. Like I guard my time. And, uh, but when someone calls me and asks me about fitness, I'm like, yeah, man, let me go take a walk. We'll chat for hours. <laughs> yeah. And it is funny. So I would just say definitely, definitely, you know, don't give yourself an excuse. There's always something that you can do. The other thing that, that I think you hit on so well that I just need to echo and make sure everyone got is it's gonna feel uncomfortable. So when I, I started training for, I was like lifting really heavy. I started training for a hundred mile ultra marathon. I just went big. I mean, I planned a while, but I was like, I'm going big. And you know, um, I started to like during my training, like you want to, there are so many different types of uncomfortable. I can't even explain it. How about one is training in the dark. Like it's just plain scary. Like, <laughs> but the, the reason I say that is like a lot of people say like, Oh, get uncomfortable, get outside your comfort zone, like really embody that. So like when, when, when you generally have nothing but excuses coming up and you're like heart's fluttering a little and your mind is like racing, that's uncomfortable. That's okay. Like, you know what I mean? I think people say it, but it's like, there's a difference between saying it and like embody it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, that's okay, right? And I'll tell you kind of what I think is a hilarious uh, story, but my buddy called my buddy called me the other day and he's like, I have this epiphany and he didn't know if it was, a, it felt like an epiphany to me. Might sound like basic to everyone else, but like, you know, there's the common saying, like, yeah, it like you have to step outside your comfort zone to grow. Well, my friend's an engineer and he's a little bit of a dork. And I could say it, he's one of my best friends. And he goes, he goes, Sean, think about the diameter of a circle. He goes, for it to grow, you must go outside of it. <laughs> he's like, it's simple mathematics, Sean. <laughs> and I I love it because it's like, you know, yeah, like you you have to get outside the comfort zone and like you know, in, embody it. I mean, even that same, that same friend was work that, that called me was working on his confidence. And I said, dude, real simple, go, go meet someone new every single day. And he texts me, he goes, I didn't do it today, but I'm gonna get two people tomorrow. I said, why don't you do it today? And he goes, he was like, yeah, there was like no, like everyone at the gym had their headphones on and he texted me like 10 things. I'm like, I get it. Those are all things that are uncomfortable to talk to someone with headphones in, tap them on the shoulder and be like, can I ask you a question? Like, 
you know, like you, you just got to practice this stuff. So I, I appreciate you, you sharing that. I have a question that I've been begging to ask you. It's a little off the happiness discipline, but we're just diving into the nutrition side. And it is, it is kind of like a myth out there that people think run and don't eat and you'll lose weight. Can you please explain why eating more and lifting heavy weights helps you lose weight and keep it off? Oh my goodness. How much time do we have left? Um, we got a couple hours. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So this is, is obviously nuanced and it's individual and there's a lot to be said for where somebody's coming in and what they're currently doing, um, their preferences. And like that, that's one of the tricky parts is like, there are a lot of ways to approach things. That being said, the unsung hero in this entire conversation, if we want to like change the way our body looks, we want to build muscle. We want body, even if we want just people say body recomposition, what does that mean? It means building muscle and losing some body fat. Like if we want to do that, if you want to change like your muscular shape, you want to like, I don't care what you call it. You want to call it toned? You do you. You call it toned. You want to call it sculpted? Fine. We'll call it sculpted for the sake of this conversation. You want to get hench? We call it hench in our house. You want to get hench? You want to get like, like you know, muscular. Then <laughs> all of these things come down to you also must build muscle mass, period. Because you could lose body fat and not have much muscular definition or shape or size underneath it. And you're probably not going to get the result you were envisioning. So quite often people will come into me and, and I don't do a lot of intentional weight loss in my, or intentional, even body fat loss in my program and in my coaching. But sometimes it's a happy side effect of like putting into pl to place all of these pieces that you would have to do anyway, right? Like eating enough protein, making sure you're fueling yourself adequately so you have the energy to do your training, showing up and lifting weights. Like you got to build the, the muscle mass somehow that's going to have a positive impact on your metabolism, et cetera, et cetera. So oftentimes people will come in and they're like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to do the weight loss thing. And I'm like, well, this is, this is going to come down to a couple of things. There are multiple ways we can actually lose pounds on the scale. One is water. That's not going to do anything to change your like overall shape. You're just going to get dehydrated, right? Number two is other lean tissue, like, uh, you know, fat-free tissue, like bone could be lost. Now, obviously that's going to be a slow process. We do not want to lose bone density, right? Actual bone weight. So that's one thing. We could lose muscle mass, which quite often happens when, especially, you know, a lot of women come in, they're like, oh, I've just been doing these super low calorie diets. Um, I'm, you know, the, the scale went down, but like, I'm still not happy with how I'm looking. Like I it didn't get the result that I thought I was going to get because by being in such a massive calorie deficit, part of the loss of, of, of actual scale weight or, or tissue is muscle tissue. If we're constantly under, under eating and under fueling, and if you're not lifting weights at the same time. So, you know, people are like, oh, I just, you know, I just ran a lot, which I'm, I'll do my cardio as well. I'm not against that, not knocking that, but we set up this kind of perfect storm when that happens. So very low food intake, very low protein intake with that not resistance training at all. Maybe we're, you know, trying to like get out there and do our like cardio on the treadmill or whatever. We are setting up a perfect storm, especially when we're over 40. Because it is, as we age, we have something called anabolic resistance, which means it's harder to build muscle. Men, of course, are losing their testosterone as they go, go through the aging process. Women are losing estrogen as they go through the process of menopause, perimenopause into menopause. Both of those obviously have an anabolic or muscle building effect. And so it becomes harder to build muscle. And so what tends to happen is women will come to me in their, you know, like mid to late 40s or early 50s. They haven't done any resistance training. They've been on the like 1200 calories or less for years and years and years. And they're like, I'm still not happy with how I look. Like what is going on here? And so that's really what's occurred is that over time we started to lose more muscle mass that pushes our metabolic rate down because muscle is this unsung hero of like, you know, it's like one of the best investments you can make, you know, how you invest in the stock market and then you're, you're sleeping or you're on vacation and you open your app and you're like, oh, I'm like making money. This is great. <laughs> I'm not having to do anything. Well, when we build muscle, we are compounding that interest over time such that we're watching Netflix. We're hanging out with the fam. We're doing all those things. We are spending more caloric energy what people would call burning energy or burning calories when we are doing nothing. How cool is that? Also, <laughs> when we exercise, we're carrying around and pushing more muscle mass. So we have to expend more energy to do that. You go for a walk, guess what? If you've added five pounds of muscle tissue or 10 pounds of muscle tissue, now it's 
harder to, you know, quote unquote, move your body around through space. Like it takes more energy. It's more costly. So these are some of the ways that we can sort of eke our calorie expenditure up a little bit. Mm. If we're building muscle at the same time and we've fueled that muscle tissue so that it's repairing and recovering, then we start to see things like body recomposition. Then we start to see like our, the shape of our muscles popping out. Um, one of my clients <laughs> is, um, she's been really working hard on lifting and she's like, I caught myself on a zoom call and I was like looking up. I'm looking at my arms like I really like, wow, I'm getting shape in my shoulders. Like who knew? Right. So the, the lifting weights is part of that. You're not going to develop more shape, toning, sculpting, whatever you like to call it. I hate those terms, but I get, we're going to meet people where they're at here because we don't really use those terms for men. This is my, this is my, my issue with it. Like Sean, is anyone serving you as, and is it saying like sculpt your, you know, sculpt your biceps. No one's saying that to guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, tone like your jack, tone your biceps. Tone your biceps. Anyway, so a lot of the times, the things that we think are the right thing to do, people are like, "Oh, I need to do a bunch of fat loss first. No, actually, if you did want to pursue that, you should go through your period of trying to build muscle first. That will make it easier when the t- if and when the time comes for you to do a you know short but meaningful get in get out fat loss phase with some kind of you know moderate calorie deficit. So you're not making yourself crazy, making your cravings go off the wall and, you know, prompting yourself to be in this like situation where all you can do is think about food. So I think we have to rewrite our understanding of how, you know, how does energy expenditure work? I think that's where you just, you just hit it on the head, rewriting, (laughs) like what, what people, people are thinking, you know, cause like you said, like it's, you're setting up a perfect storm. What, mm-hmm. And and I'm going to try to paraphrase what I just understood, but of the perfect uh-huh. storm, calorie deficit and not lifting weight, calorie deficit and lack of protein, not lifting weight. You're kind of training your body to like hold on to fat and lose muscle versus if we were to build, you know, muscle by strength training, eating protein, fueling ourselves enough. First of all, you're getting the composition you want because no one wants the skinny fat look, right? That No one wants that. That actually, in my opinion, makes like the fat look more fat. <laughs> Sorry. But like, I'm, you know, and then, you know, the, the strength and the, and the eating actually is going to like, you know, burn fat while you're sleeping, watching Netflix on vacation, whatever, like you said. So I think you're right that it's like, it's just, we've been told the wrong story for a while. Mm-hmm. One thing that I would just like to add about like strength training, like as an endurance athlete, as just like some, a normal human, like strength training, like I feel like makes you more durable. It makes you more capable. Like, you know, there's a, there's, I forget what it is. There's a French saying that says we are strong to be capable. And I love that because like, you know, when I, if I go home, if I step foot into Maryland, my phone rings of uncles and grandparents and parents of Sean needs to move this and rearrange this fucking room. And I'm like, I didn't even know I was here. But, um, you know, it's just like life, like demands that stuff. You know, the jokes are carry your kid, your grandkids, walk around with groceries, like all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the key piece of this is that, you know, even when we've looked at studies in like controlled studies in a, in a lab situation, right? If we get into a, there are different types of calorie deficits here. We can have like a mild calorie deficit and more moderate one, and we can have like a pretty extreme calorie deficit, right? When we enter those, those pretty significant calorie deficits, some, we have to pull energy from somewhere. And inevitably, part of that ends up becoming our muscle mass. We had to, where are we getting the amino acids from? Our muscle tissue becomes part of that that like here are some amino acids. You have to actually take them from your muscle tissue. So mm. we don't want to then further reduce that metabolic you know, demand that muscle does put on the body. Like it's really important, I think, for people to understand that that's when we lose too much muscle mass, we get a clinical condition called sarcopenia, which is like clinical levels of muscle loss that affect our metabolic health, our health and longevity, our well-being, our quality of life. This is like a it's like a serious thing. It's not a joke at some point. And, you know, I think we feel like when we're younger, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. But then we're 80 years old and we've lost a third of our muscle mass. And now we're having and trouble. You can't function. You, can't function, think, you know, yeah. and, and nobody wants to think about that. I feel like even when we're in our 40s, even when we are seeing family members, those sorts of things, struggling with their mobility, getting around, independence. Balance balance. Yes. At all, like all of it. And, you know, chronically under eating on protein bone is, is 
protein is necessary for, for building bone, right? So we get into these situations where we've got like low bone density. We have a, uh, we're more unsteady on our feet. We're at a risk of fall and fracture. Um, that can significantly Im impact like our actual life expectancy, depending on the kind of fracture. So this stuff is, is more than just like, it, it, it goes beyond skin deep. And I feel like the anti-aging industry is all about like getting rid of wrinkles and getting Botox and like, you know, looking good on the surface, but true, like that true wellness, that true health and longevity and, and looking at aging in the best possible way has to go deeper than that. Yeah. You know, even when we're in that, if we do end up in a huge calorie deficit, one of the things it does is our metabolism will downregulate to match our energy intake. So this so you're is setting um, yourself up for failure. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like a metabolic adaptation. It's what our body should do, right? It should push our activity level down. It should make us actually want to conserve more because we're taking Tired. in so so little. You have no energy. How are you going to go take that walk after dinner? You feel like melting into the sofa. You're exhausted. Isn't never, that interesting? Never. Our body's doing what we're asking it to do. Yes. Yes. But people just. It, and it comes back to where we started with education. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know this is a topic that gets us both like, like we just want ever, you know, it, we look at family members, friends, clients, whatever that just like are struggling with things, giving up sport, uh, complaining, chronic complainers, right? And, and you have to be compassionate towards them, um, certainly. And, but also try, try to help. You know, mm -hmm. if they're interested, you know, it's that interesting spot where it's like, you can't force it, but you can try. Yeah. <laughs> it's such it's such a funny one. I'm really excited for your program coming up. You know, I think I'll I'll make sure to share that in, in the show notes and in, yeah. you know, some of the content that we put out from this. Yeah. What one one thing I wanna I wanna wrap up with is any any final thoughts you have because something something that I love about you is that you well, first of all, I love the way that you don't talk about weight loss, you talk about strength training, but a higher level of that is you stick to your principles and like it's not it it's not that I agree or don't agree with like your program. It's that like this is what I believe in because I'm educated and I've tested myself and I stick with that. But this is even a, a, again above like physique or physical health. Like going back to it, going back to the happiness discipline, right? Like mm -hmm. like what's what's like the main thing that you see as a benefit from going to the gym? You know, like living this fitness life, li like eating well, like. What is the main thing? Is it on that physical side? Is it on the mental side or like the emotional side? I, the way I describe it is this, like when you don't feel good and you know, my, my heart goes out to people who are dealing with things like chronic illnesses or are things of that nature. When you don't feel good, life just feels that much harder. You were talking about earlier, like how I seem to like have this, like be in this good mindset. I've also done a lot of mindset work and had a lot of coaching around this. Um, and I, I do have my challenges there as well. Um, but I will say if you don't feel good, it is much harder to, to show up and feel like life isn't just that much harder. So taking care of your body, like doing the best you can. And that involves moving your body, like taking care of this physical vessel, making sure eating enough energy. I can't tell you how many people I work with that are like, I have no energy. I feel so tired all the time. And we look at what they're eating. I'm like, you're, you're eating less than a toddler would eat. Like it doesn't make any, make it make sense. You know, make it make sense, please. And so like, I'm here to help you do that. Let's get you, let's get you moving in the right direction. But you know, I saw a post today and I can't, I think it was from GMB fitness and it was something like, well, when you're, you feel stiff, the last thing you want to do is not move. You, you think you don't want to move when you feel stiff and you're like, oh, you think I'm just going to stay in place, but that's the worst thing you can do. The best thing you can do is move. So I feel like, you know, if you have the ability to movement is, is so important and it can become that anchor point especially if you start to you start to come up with goals or things you want to reach toward then you're like oh well this is like a priority in my life cuz i know when i take care of my body i'm able to go get my workout done like i feel so much better i'm yeah. able to like handle things better i'm more calm and more present like i practice doing hard things i know i can overcome this adversity and then we start to see those other habits those other things fall into place you want to run 100 miles guess what you're not going to do it on 5 hours of sleep a night like i don't know you could try but you'll probably blow up and your knees will explode like <laughs> something is going to happen you know you want to be able to have the energy to go in and like lift heavy stuff cuz you feel 
like a beast afterwards and you're like, I just did that deadlift. Like what? Like come at me, you know, (laughs) you have that, you get that feeling, but you're like, if I want to be able to do those things, I have to eat in a way that gives me the energy to do those things. And so sometimes I feel like people are all just trying to like eat. Yes. Like eating better for the sake of eating better. But when you can tie that into something that feels a little bit more fun, like yeah, you want to go like do some cool event. You want to go like hike this trail. Uh, Chasing it is. fun. Yeah, like make it make it fun. Like have it capture your attention, and then you'll start to see that ah, oh, like all of these other things have to like. If I just do this thing, I feel better during that workout. If I eat a little bit more protein, I notice I'm recovering better, and that helps me move toward that that goal that I have. Yeah. And it becomes more of an intrinsic driver over time. So I feel like, you know, it is <laughs> probably a little bit biased, but movement and training and people will tell me, oh, but I don't work out or I don't train because I'm not training for an event. And I asked my my community this fairly recently, but just before we started working together, you know, what do you call it? And other a lot of people said, well, I don't call it training because I'm not training for a particular event. I was like, you are training for life. Yeah. That's what you're training for. You could also be training for a hundred miler or a BJJ competition, or I don't know. You're training for life. You're training for life. Like train, have a purpose, have an intention when you go in and that will help all of these other things start to line up. Yeah. And it's at those moments when you're like, I, I feel stronger. I can be present with my kids. I can like literally help move that sofa for my grandma. I mean, those are the, those are the moments in your life where you're like, this is why it matters. Yeah, It matters for so much more than just that time in the gym. And that is important, but it matters so much for my life outside of the gym too. All right, I, I'm done. <laughs> No, I love the passion. Drop the <laughs> mic. <laughs> it's it, it is so fun, and it's like yeah, like you know, chase fun. Like you know, I even I know people that they couldn't get on a flight and they actually got into the gym. That's how they got outside their comfort zone, and now they can fly. Right? It's just like you don't know what's coming. And I think that's the theme of it all: is train for life. I'm so glad that we talk weekly because <laughs> we're we're. At, we need to start all of our calls with like uh, <laughs> like our little podcast moment. Let Brendan just record and clip it up for us. Shout out, Brendan. <laughs> Shout out, Brendan. But, yeah, man. I um, no, I just I I appreciate you taking the time to 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 come on, and I I I do want to end it with like the biggest thing that I think um, as far as like a takeaway for people is what you said. Like if you're stiff, move. If you're exhausted and you can't go to the gym, you need to go to the gym because otherwise you can get more exhausted. Um, and I think that's some of that stuff just like it outlined so beautifully. So we will drop her website and social media and everything. So you can follow her in this episode. And again, I just want to thank you for making the time to come on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, uh, letting me, uh, winding me up and letting me go. And, uh, <laughs> you know, quite, quite clearly I could talk about this all day. So I appreciate the opportunity. You, you found your passion. Thanks. Steph. <laughs> thank you. Hey, thank you for watching today's episode. If you got something out of this, it would mean so much if you could just take a second and give us a rating on whatever platform you're watching it on. And it would mean so much to the world if you could just find one person that you think this message resonates with and you can share that with them. Thank you so much for your support. Looking forward to share the next episode with you.